Hello to everyone. We're thankful for another opportunity to get to study the Word of God with you. And certainly we pray that the Lord would help us and that we could be a help to you in understanding and growing in the knowledge of the truth. So if you'd like to look with us in 2 Kings chapter number 4, we got down to verse number 8 last time. And what we looked at last time was the widow woman that her husband had died and had left her a great debt that she couldn't pay. And she come to Elisha and Elisha told her to take that little pot of oil, borrow vessels and pour. And we saw, you know, you, you can draw some inferences from that. But I believe the great picture there is our first father, Adam. He died and left us a debt that couldn't be paid. But God, through Jesus, paid the debt, gave us enough to live on for the rest of our life. And not just the days of our life here, but to be able to live through eternity by the work that he accomplished on the cross. My God, what, what an amount of all, what an amount of atonement and salvation and mercy and forgiveness and compassion was poured out of the riches of Christ Jesus. And so we come to verse 8. And so the rest of this chapter will uh, pretty well flow together. And so we're going to just go maybe verse by verse and walk down through this, uh, maybe take a couple verses of, at a time. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where it was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was, that is oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And so we see here, here's a woman of Shunem, called a great woman. And uh, I guess the first inclination is it's talking about her size, that she was a a very large woman doesn't even necessarily mean fat, but she could have been a woman of tall stature as well. But I believe what is making her great here is the nature and the thinking that God has given her. She's, she's got a love for the word of God. And so as Elisha's passing through, she sees him. You know, these, these men of God, these prophets, they traveled and they went. And they, they didn't have a whole lot uh, to live on day by day. Certainly God provided their needs, but the compassion and the care of somebody else was a great blessing to them. And so she goes out and she constrains the man of God. She's, she's not going to take no for an answer. Now you, you're going to come in and you're going to eat with me. I've got enough for you to eat. I've got enough for you to enjoy, and I want you to come in, and it's going to offend me if you don't. She was coming, and she's not going to take no for an answer, but she's going to be persistent and constrain this man to come and to eat at her table. And so you, you think about our attitude towards the Word of God, how that we should desire the Word of God and the knowledge of the word to grow in our hearts and in our minds. How that we ought to pray unto God. God, would you 
constrain this word of God? Would you write a little more of it upon the tables of our heart? Would you open our eyes to a, a greater portion of it and let us see the truth? God run out tradition and the thought of man and God establish me on what your word would say. That we ought to constrain it, not take no for an answer. But the truth is, a lot of times, the word of God passes by and we take no notice of it. And we're not making any effort to receive the word of God. And I'm speaking as the church. Now, the lost man, except God regenerate and awaken him by the grace of his Holy Spirit, the lost man can't take the word of God into his heart. He could pay attention, and the word of God exhorts me to pay attention. But to really benefit from the goodness of God, he's unable to do until the Holy Spirit draws him, compels him by the power of God. And so, the church then, how that we ought to constrain the word of God to come in to our house. And you know, how, how do we constrain? Well, we can certainly take heed when the word of God is being taught, being preached. We ought to be present when there's opportunity. We can take advantage of every chance that we have to hear the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. And when we're at home, not only when it's being preached and it's passing by from the mouth of somebody else, but when we're at home, a lot of times we pass by the Word of God and give no thought to it whatsoever. It's laying on our table, our dinner table. It's laying on a nightstand, in a bookshelf, on a kitchen counter. Maybe it don't even make it out of the trunk of the car from church. But the word of God is there and there's no effort made to constrain that into our hearts. But may God help us to take the word of God and to grow in the knowledge of that by his grace. It's with prayer for grace and effort in study that we grow in that knowledge. And so, she, as the word of God passes by, constrains Elisha to come in and eat. But it's not just a one-time thing, because as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. Elisha's not somebody that thinks he's above it. Elisha's a man that if he's welcome, I'll come and eat bread with you. And the Lord Jesus was very much the same way. He didn't care whether it was a, a publican's house like Levi or a Pharisee's house like Simon or a leper's house like Simon. The Lord Jesus, he was invited. He would go and he would speak the word. He would go and he would be a help. He would sit with them and thank God that he would. That was the great issue, one of the great issues that the religious people had with Jesus. He's eating with sinners. Why does this man go and associate with and eat with sinners? Well, thank God that the word of God comes to sinners. He didn't come to those that are well. The word of God come to those that are sinners. 
that it might change their lives and make them something new by the power of God. And so Elisha turned in and he ate. Not just that one time, but because he's welcome, he'll turn in there every time. And God would, and it's his will to grow his church in the knowledge of the scripture. He exhorts us to that. Peter says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Son of God. Peter says, as newborn babes desire the milk of the, the sincere milk of the word. Paul says, uh, uh, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Be not conformed to the world, but be it transformed by the re renewing, the renovation of your mind. Now, how does that happen? It's by growing in the word of God that God takes the word. He helps me to understand more of the word. And by that word, he purifies my behavior and my life in this world. So what the church needs then is not a taskmaster to whip it into shape. The church needs the word of God. And God will take that, that simple word of God and by me growing in knowledge of it, he'll renew my mind. He'll cast out the old things and he'll put the word of God in my heart and the word of God will change my behavior. Jesus prayed in the garden, Lord, sanctify them, purify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth and it is the word of God that sanctifies that purifies and that draws us ever closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we make effort to study. God help me to make a greater effort to learn and to, to come to knowledge, not of what I think. We, we should be very careful not to read what we want to read into the scriptures. But God, show me what you're saying here. What does this mean? Give me a right interpretation. And as the church of the living God grows in true knowledge of the scripture, God transforms their mind. He changes the way they think. He changes the way they view things. And he makes their behavior different. That's what we need. That's what the Shunammite woman desired. And as long as there's a welcome there, the man of God turns in. Isn't that wonderful? He's accessible. God is accessible unto his church. He's made a way that we can access him. And what a shame to have such access and to let it lay on the end table and to let it lay in the car and to never read that. It's pitiful. And yet it happens. The importance of that's not seen. And so as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, now she's doing a great work. Boy, she's doing good. Look, she's feeding the man of God every time he passes by. She's welcomed the word of God into her house. <clears throat> but notice, once he starts to come by, this isn't enough. 
We're going to have to grow this just a little bit. And that's the amazing thing about the Word of God. There's never a time that we ever arrive at a place that, well, look, we're doing enough here. We know enough and there's no need to go any further. But as we learn the Word of God, the desire in us to learn more of the Word of God grows. I believe that's what Paul says in Philippians. He's not reached it, but he's striving that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. What great revelation Paul had. And all that did was grow Paul's desire for more revelation. It's wonderful. That's the way the word of God is. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Could we recognize that, that the Bible is indeed the holy and pure God-breathed word for our lives? That in the Bible is revealed the mind, the heart, and the will of God for my life that in it I can find wisdom and direction and understanding that can't be obtained by my natural means. But God's revealed it to us in the scriptures with the aid of the Spirit. We can know the mind of God. It's wonderful. She recognizes how important that it is. This is the man of God. This is the man that God has chosen. This is, and I believe this is important here. In this day, Elisha was the word of God to these people. If they wanted to seek God, if they needed an answer from God, they went to this man. He was the word of God, the living, breathing word of God. Well, the Bible we carry, I realize that the book that's sitting in front of me right now is not living and breathing. It is a book. It's a dead tree with words on it. But it's those words that as I, as I take in those words, the Holy Spirit brings that word of God and the word is still alive to me. It's still alive to you as well. This is the living, breathing word of God that lays before us. And it's that that we ought to seek to learn and to know. Which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. And let us set before him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us, that he shall turn in thither. Now look, we fed him. We're doing a good work. But we ought to do a little more. That's the way the Word of God is. Oh, how wonderful it is to learn and to grow. And as we grow, the desire to grow comes greater. So she says, look, let's build him a room. And let's not, let's not put it where that he's going to be bothered, but let's just make him a place that if he sees fit, he can turn in and rest. Let's open the welcome up a little bit more. And let's make him a chamber. And you know, if we're not home, he can come in and turn in thither. This is going to be, this is going to be a place for him to, to dwell 
and to turn in. And when he passes by, he can lay here and rest. He can come in and study. He can come in and uh, and relax from his journey and he can stay there as long as he wants to. It's wonderful. That ought to be our mindset about the word of God. We ought to have a place set aside for the word of God. I don't believe it would be a bad thing at all to have a time set aside to, to, to dig into the word of God that we might grow because if I don't read and if I don't study the word of God, I'm not going to grow. How can I grow without eating? How can the child grow if he never takes the bottle? How can the young man grow if he doesn't eat the, the nutrients that he needs to grow? How can the Christian grow if he does not eat the word of God? But we go to church and we get fed at church. I sincerely pray that we get fed at church and that how wonderful it is to be fed at church. But now let's say that you only eat naturally. Your children are only going to eat on Wednesday night, Sunday morning and Sunday night. How much are they going to grow then? I don't believe that naturally they're going to grow enough that we're going to be satisfied. Why are we satisfied that that's the only amount of the word of God we're getting in our day-to-day -day life? We're not growing well, boy, I, would, I believe the inward desire of the Christian is, Lord, help me to be a better witness. Help me to be a light set up on a hill. Let me be a benefit to those people that's around me and that's in my family. Let my behavior be more and more like thee. But we don't eat the word of God. We, we're never, we don't have any place set aside for the word of God. How are we going to grow without the word of God? We're not going to grow. And so she sets up a little place. She makes it comfortable for him. And this is his place. This little chamber is his. And he can turn in thither whenever he passes by. And it fell on a day that he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. Boy, the word of God. He's not only willing to eat, but if you'll make a chamber for him, he's willing to come in and and to lay down, and to relax. I realize that in salvation, the Father and the Son, in the person of the Spirit, makes their abode with us. That's not by study. That's a gift granted to us by the justification of the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't work for that to happen. But you know, God... God planted the Garden of Eden. God put all the trees in the garden. God put all the flowers in the garden. He put all the fruits in the garden. And he put Adam in it. And none of that was there by Adam's work. But God said, Adam, now you take what I've started and you dress it and you keep it. And you go forth and have dominion over all the earth. And so here we are. God has saved us. He's planted us a garden. He's moved in and dwells with us. But he said to us, now go and, and grow this. Take advantage of what I've blessed you with. Take the good that I've given you 
and grow that. And so we have that responsibility and may God help us to desire to grow and to hunger and to thirst after the word of God and to eat that in as we have opportunity at church, but to have a time and a place set aside for the word of God day by day in our life that continually we might grow in the grace and knowledge of the Son of God. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now to her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among our people. I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. Now, she doesn't ask for this. He comes to her and says, Look, you've, you've done this great work. How, how can I bless you? Would you have a desire? Could I go to the king and put in a good word for you? Could I go to the captain of the host? Is there something that I can do to bless you? because you've done all this work and you've taken this great care for us. My, how how the word of God blesses us if we take the time to study and to read it. There's just, there's a blessing in it just in knowing and growing in it. The word of God blesses us, strengthens us, and helps us. And so she had took the time to make a place for the Word of God. And the Word of God is going to benefit her as well. It's it's very much a two-way relationship that as I dig in the Scripture, God's working on the other end by His grace, illuminating me to the Scripture. And so while I am putting forth effort, God is putting forth effort and blessing that and allowing me to grow in that. It's not all my study. We're still relying upon God. But as I labor, God labors and the work is accomplished and the Christian grows in the knowledge of the Son of God. His life is transformed and his life changed and his heart strengthened. And he's established in the truth of God. But now, can I speak to you for the king? I've got no need for you to speak to the king. Can I go to the captain of the host? I've got no need for you to speak to the captain of the host. I dwell among mine own people. And what I have here in this natural life is sufficient. I don't ask anything special of you what a benefit it is to grow in the Word of God. Now there is the heart of a saved person. A lot of times we get intoxicated with the reasoning of the flesh, and the flesh is very intoxicating. And we get wound up in the natural life and the things of it, and what we begin to pray for is, God, increase my natural life. God, turn the heart of the boss to favor me. But in truth, it's the spiritual that matters. And so God says, Gehazi, the servant, 
The need of this woman is realized she doesn't have to ask. She's got no children. She doesn't have a son. And her husband is old. This is something she can't do. Obviously, if they could have had a son, she would have. But by means of barrenness of either her or her husband, there was no means for there to be a son produced. And so, at the realization of this need, not by her request, but by the goodness of the Word of God, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. The Word of God has said, bring her to me. I've got something that I would like to tell her. Isn't, isn't that amazing? <clears throat> now, we've got... God the Father that's on the throne of the heaven and Jesus Christ at his right hand. Not some little man on the side of the street, but the God of heaven and earth that is in control of all things. And he says, call, I've, I've got something to say. That God would call us to speak to us. That that cannot go or cannot be stated in a manner that it would not be an understatement. What an understatement that it is that we're blessed that God would call us with a word to speak. And he said about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. So the promise of God is, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. Now, this sounds, in our language today, a lot worse than what it meant in that day. They, they spoke plain in that day. She's not saying you're a liar. I don't believe in anything you say but for the joy of her heart. Just as when God promised to Abraham and Abraham laughed in his heart, she's saying, don't tell me something that's not true. Don't get my hopes up for this. What joy that she had at this word of God, that God was going to do this for her. I believe you could say it like this. Don't lie to thy handmaid. I believe what she was really saying there is, this is too good to be true. This is too great that I can even imagine this happening because I have settled on the fact that this is an impossibility. And it was an impossibility. Sarah and Abraham had settled on the fact that her having a child was an impossibility until God spoke and said, this is the way it's going to be. And so she has, said, she has been told, this is the way it's going to be. You're going to have a son. God is going to bless you with a son. And now you think about, as we mentioned last time, grace for grace. My God, the fact that the word of God ate with her. Did she deserve for the word of God to even eat with her? Do we, as the church of God, did we somehow deserve that God would 
redeem us by his grace. If we <coughs> deserved it, then it could not be by grace. But the fact that it was grace that saved us lets me know that that was the favor of God. That was not anything that I had done. It was not that I came to the word of God and that's why his grace came because if it was that I came to the word of God, then it's not by grace. God's rewarding me then because I came to the word of God. But the answer is I came to the word of God because his grace brought me there. Well, now wait a minute. She constrained him to come in. She did. But it was because he was passing by that she could constrain him. God brought the man of God to Shunem. And God brought her out to the man of God. And so the very fact that the word of God was staying in her little chamber. My God, what a blessing that it is that we're saved today. That we can, with all assurance of faith, stand in the congregation of the righteous and proclaim the fact that our sins are forgiven and that if at this moment we left this world, we would be justified before God through Jesus Christ. There is a blessing that we did not deserve that God freely imparted to us through Jesus by the Spirit, by the Word of God. He brought us into this justification and has blessed us with such a blessing that it's too much for us to imagine. And yet, God wants to bless us more. God would like for us to grow. God would like to bless us, I believe right here, with children. Could there be any greater, and I don't believe there is, for a church, that God would work through a church to bring children into the kingdom of God? That's why God's got the church here. The church is the means that God uses to get his word out, to convict hearts, and to draw them to the Son of God. And so she's grown, and God says, you've grown. The word of God is dwelling with you. I'm going to use you to bring a son into this world. And it's just amazing to her that God would bless her with this. That's the church that's the way the church's attitude ought to be. Not that God saves, and we boldly say God saved because of this. God saved because I prayed. God saved because I've done good. No, we're obligated to pray and to study and to read the word of God. We owe that to God for what he's done for us so that we're just a servant is all that we are. And when we do what the master asks us to do, do we deserve a thank you or an extra reward? Absolutely not. He bought us with a price. We belong to him. But see, this is the goodness of the master. His compassion that he says, look, you've done the work. I'm going to bless you even further. And so she says, Glory to God that he's blessed me even further than what he did in the beginning. And again, we see grace for grace added to this woman. It's too good to be true. 
Oh, how that when God redeems somebody, the church should say, it's too good to be true that through this little congregation, God would use us to bring a child into the kingdom of God. Because it's impossible with our means to truly bring one into the kingdom of God. We can bring them into the building. We can make them a part of the church. We can baptize them in the river. But for somebody to be truly saved, that is to be born from above. That's what God says to Nicodemus, Jesus. You must be born again. The word there is to be born from above. A heavenly birth. A birth that originates and that comes from heaven itself. It's a work of God. Glory to God that he would use us to bring sinners into the world. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. Should we be surprised? Absolutely not. We can rest in the word of God and the answer of God. Certainly once God has announced it. And that's what throughout all of the New Testament, if you look up that word promise, that word means literally an announcement, an assent, or the divine assurance of good. Once God announces it, the work is as good as done. Though it may not be accomplished yet, when God announces, it's done. And so, that's why the prophet says, I believe it's Isaiah, that he speaks of those things that are not as if they are. God's word has that kind of authority. God's word has the power to bring and produce life that was never there before. A wonderful thing that we have in the word of God. May God, by his grace, evermore stir up a desire for us to grow in the understanding of it. I thank you for listening. We'll pick up right there in verse 18 next time. Pray for us.